What is up, Fence fam, and welcome to the Fence Expert Podcast, a podcast devoted to anything and everything fence. Whether it's tools, guests, or answering your fence-related questions, you've come to the right place. This podcast is sponsored by OZFence.Store, your one-stop shop for all your fencing-related hardware. Right now, they're offering a free shipping of $150 or more, and if you use the discount code PODCAST, you can save 15% in addition to the free shipping. With all that being said, let's dive into this week's episode. What is up, Fence Fam? So good to be back with you guys at yet another weekly live Ask the Experts live Q&A. How many times can we say live in the title? Hey, uh, welcome back. So glad to be back with you guys. If you guys are watching this live, be sure to let us know you're here by typing in the comments section who you are and where you're from. So we can say hello. If you're listening to this on the podcast, what you're listening to is a replay of a live Q&A that I host every Saturday. Well, most every Saturday from 10 to 11 Central on both YouTube, well, on YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, so just simply search Joe Everest on any one of those platforms and you'll probably end up finding us. Uh, if you are listening on the podcast, if you happen to leave a review, that would be huge. It would help us for sure. Uh, also, if you're watching this, if you'd share it out, like and comment, that helps as well too. So yeah, so Caleb's running just a few minutes behind. If you guys read the title, you know who we're talking, who we're going to talk to is Caleb over at Expert Stain and Seal. Which huge shout out for to Caleb and Ashley and the whole crew for sponsoring our live. Means a lot. We really do appreciate it. Uh, Caleb's at a baseball game, so he'll be a few minutes behind. Uh, yeah, but once he gets here, we will certainly bring him up. Until then, let's say hello to you guys. Jeremy, what is up from Fort Worth? It's so good to see you guys again. Fence Vlogs, what's up, Jeff? Good to see you in here again. Good morning, Fence fam. Good morning to you as well. Like I said, as you guys are coming in, let us know you're here. We're going to kill a little bit of time uh, until until Caleb gets here. We start talking about staining and sealing. Uh, so what's going on in your guys' business? If you're anything like us in the last two or three weeks, the phones have really turned on. They slow down a little bit through the wintertime. And, you know, when we're looking at first, it was a little bit, uh, maybe not concerning, but something to keep an eye on, right? So call volume was down. Sales volume was a little bit down. Uh, so we're looking at graphs. And I think one thing we realized was as we're watching this is that it's starting to look like 2018 and 19 before the pandemic. Now, I really don't think you can look at any of the graphs in 2021 20, and most of 22 as any sort of normal, right? I think we can all agree that business was just incredible. I mean, you could, you fell into business. Most of us didn't really have to market or advertise that much because the phones just rang nonstop all on their own. Well, then along came this winter and I'm sure this varies regionally, but in our region, things slowed down a little bit. So um, yeah, last three weeks, phones have come back up. So we've gone, uh, we've gone from being a few weeks out to now we're, we're about four or five weeks out, which is where we want to be. We want to be about six weeks out, which is kind of a conversation all of its own, right? So everyone has their own comfort level. However far you want to, there's guys that are booked months out. And if that's where your comfort level is, that's where you should be. But for us, our comfort level is about six weeks. So um, we vary pricing accordingly, right, to get above four weeks. And then when we get up to six weeks, we'll start varying pricing again to try to bring it down to six weeks. So we're in that sweet spot now. So if you guys, uh, you guys are watching, as you guys are watching, uh, let me know what your guys' business look like and where you're located. So this, I think, when we're watching the Facebook groups, it seems like, it seems like this is a regional thing because there's some people that just said, you know, business never slowed down. Business has been booming all winter long, uh, and that 
could be a regional thing. It could be a pricing thing. You know, it could be the guys that are booked out two or three months. You know, if they if they were usually booked three months, now they're booked two months. Well, they're still booked two months out. So uh, maybe it takes them a little bit longer to feel that maybe. But yeah, let us know what you guys are seeing in your uh, in your market. What is up, Colby Beerman? Says T Purple in the house. 2023 is looking great for selling clients on wood maintenance. So this is something I'd like to talk to Caleb about because we keep building this and refining this. And we're in the beginning, we're just talking about maintaining a fence in general, right? Now, this year at the uh, State University there in Nashville, there was a, well, I say that here, the one here in Springfield, we started talking about maintenance contracts and then State University in Nashville, we really talked quite a bit about staining con or maintenance contracts. Um, I think guys, when we're talking about value in business, recurring revenue is everything. You know, I was talking to a friend the other day, um, not in the fencing industry, but in a construction related trade, uh, talking about buying someone else's business. Uh, and the problem with buying a business that doesn't have recurring revenue is what are you purchasing? Well, the name, the phone number, but largely those two things aren't as important anymore. And when you can, through SEO and through Google ads, you can generally get your phone to ring, even if you're an unknown and don't have an established phone number. Besides that, you're really buying assets, trucks, trailers, equipment, maybe a little bit of inventory in this particular business. The problem is the gentleman that was selling it said, well, I think it's valued at $2 million because he did $2 million in business last year. Like, well, that's not, that's not really quite how, how you value the business because if I paid you $2 million, you didn't make, you didn't profit $2 million last year. Right. So you made that, but then you paid a good amount of it out. So at least in the fencing industry, it seems like net profit, the averages are somewhere between 10 to 15%, 12% is kind of a sweet spot. So 12% on $2 million is not $2 million. Right. So they had to have a, they had to sit down and have a conversation about the business isn't valued at $2 million. Just you're, you don't have that. You have trucks, but you have debt against you have loans against the trucks equipment but you took out loans for the equipment you don't really have a lot of assets he had somewhere around a hundred thousand dollars in assets and i think that was being generous um didn't the conversation did not go well when when uh the seller came in at two million dollars and the buyer came in at a hundred thousand dollars feeling like he was being generous uh it obviously fell apart but that's where recurring revenue comes in because my buddy's point was, if I came into your business tomorrow, you probably have a book of business, right? You probably have some work sold, but generally that money, the work that is already sold goes to the seller anyway. That was sold prior to the exchange, prior to the date of sale. So that money would go to the seller anyway. So for the buyer, what, what revenue flow is currently in place? As I step into this business, now there's going to be there's going to be momentum and that's worth something. That's where part of that hundred thousand dollars came in, but there's not recurring revenue. There's, there's no contracts in place that say we're going to have this much money coming monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever. Recurring revenue is everything when you're valuing a business. So, and that's where these maintenance plans come in, right? So when we're talking about staining and sealing, we're generally talking about like an annual cleaning maintenance plan with restaining every, X amount of years, three years or something like that, um, where you can get recurring revenue. You would say, hey, we've got 300 clients. 
that pay an average of X amount annually for this cleaning. The cleaning cost is Y, so you take that out. You have this much profit annually in a recurring fashion. Now, you would have to agree on a percentage of drop-off. Year on year, you would probably lose this amount of business. People move away or people just simply don't want the service anymore. But you can reasonably assume coming into this business, this is the recurring revenue that would be coming to you, the purchaser. Um, anyway, this is all where maintenance plans come in. And this is how we can increase value of our businesses. Fence companies just by offering staying and sealing and through staying and sealing these maintenance programs or staining contractors exclusively maintenance plans would be everything in terms of recurring revenue. So I think this is an interesting subject. I think we should probably talk about it for a while today once Caleb uh, gets on. Colby says, recurring revenue is a game changer for us that for us that have to slow down for the winter regionally to keep the lights on. So this is a fair point too, in that the further north you get, the shorter your season gets. Just temperature restrictions, right? And, and weather in general. So yeah, recurring revenue is everything. When you look at uh, like the pond and waterfall space, these guys really have seen really seem to have the maintenance plan figured out, right? So they really have figured out. So we're going to come, we're going to clean the pond, we're going to, I don't know what all is included in this. But I was in a coaching group that had a lot of these guys in it thinking that it's a it's a fencing related like it's all like kind of landscape outdoor space related and it was good to us but there's a lot of landscapers in there that had these recurring these annual maintenance plans when would the maintenance plans go out january 1 and you had to have them back by march 1 to take advantage of this year's pricing after march 1 the price would go up x the point being these the the pond the waterfall the water feature folks in general had the same problem right they were weather restricted too I, it just doesn't make sense to go service a pond when it's 20 degrees outside. So by having this start in January 1, they've got some recurring revenue showing up January through March. March kicks off their normal cleaning, pond opening, or waterfall opening season, that sort of thing. So Colby's point is absolutely valid that this would make a great way to make up a little bit of revenue in the time of year, the months of the year, that typically aren't as busy for a fencing contractor or a staining contractor. Michael Greenfield, we know this guy. What's up, Mike? Good morning, Joe. What's your thoughts on 2023? Do you see a bit of a slowdown on the residential or commercial side? Also, please tell the Cardinals to get it in gear. Listen, the Cardinals are not taking my phone call. I don't. Well, that's that's a whole different discussion. But I don't know what uh, I don't know what's on their mind. How they decide who to send up and send down. Um, <laughs> They're not taking my calls, Michael. So anyway, uh, what do you see in 2023? So we, I don't know, right? So I, I wish I had a crystal ball. And I wish, usually I, I don't know, usually by this time of the year, I can have a pretty good idea what we're going to do. I'll look at previous year's models on what we sold per quarter, where we're at this quarter compared to this quarter last year. Like I said, 2021, 22 are an anomaly. They just don't count i don't think so they did their numbers don't jive with anything but then the next problem is do you apply them to 2018 and 19 well they look similar as far as the graphs as far as quarter four and quarter one were a bit slower quarter two has seen a nice increase so maybe they look alike but that's a pretty big maybe because our company has changed since 2018 and 2019 our marketing has changed that sort of thing so 
are we likely to see the same thing? Probably. But then we're in this weird economic time where the Fed really isn't sure what they're going to do with interest rates, which the question is, like, what does the Fed's interest rates have to do with a fence company? Not directly, but indirectly, new home starts. Residential follows new home starts, at least our business, pretty closely. If you see new home starts are way up this quarter, you know, next quarter, your residential business is probably going to be doing pretty good because it follows cyclically. And they absolutely throw these houses up. So you know in the next quarter or two that you're going to see an increase in business. Fed increasing the rates means they have less buyers, typically. But I was listening to an NPR podcast yesterday that was talking about new home financing is up. So maybe maybe buyers aren't worried about the interest rate. But all these things come into play, right? So if new home starts are down, then maybe we should read the tea leaves that the residential business isn't going to be as stellar as it was previously. But new homes are only a portion of what we do. Another portion, the larger portion, probably what we do is repairs, repairs, replacements, that sort of thing, removals and disposals, new fence going in. So that really doesn't have much at all to do with interest rates directly. I mean, they're not financing, for the most part, they're not financing this work, at least in our market, they're paying for it directly. So interest rates don't have that much to do with that business, but it does affect everything else in their lives. And I think everyone else listens to these things too. They listen to these conversations about what is the economy going to do? Like where, what is going to happen with inflation? And so I think a lot of people also are just in a holding pattern as far as at least in our, our, our household. So a, a sample size of one, uh, we've really pulled back on spending because I don't know what's going to happen. So we're not going and making larger purchases we're not we're we're focusing on needs not wants gotta figure a lot of people are like that at least on the residential side so the residential side trickles up to commercial so if a business has less consumers if the business is making less money they're probably going to get a little bit cautious as well we haven't seen a major slowdown in either so we've seen a nice uptick in second quarter but the answer is, I don't know. Like, we're cautiously optimistic. Now, we're cutting our expenses. So, the beginning of the year, we made a decision. We're going to cut expenses by 10% across the board. 10% is our goal. If we can cut a little bit more, all the better for that, right? So just in case business does slow down, we'll still be in a good, sp good space. Uh, but if business doesn't slow down, then... What do you know? We've got more that made it to the bottom line after it made it through the expenses portion of the PL. Um, we're we're cautiously optimistic, I guess. So we're dialing down our expenses. We're hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst, sort of thing. That's my answer. I don't it's probably not a great answer, but that's my answer. I wish the Cardinals would take my call. All right, guys. The one and the only, the man, the myth, the legend. Caleb Roth is with us today. Caleb, how are you? No, uh -oh. no sound. All Finger. right, there's the sound button. Good morning. <laughs> good morning, Caleb. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. Very good, very good. We were just in the middle of saying hello to everybody. <clears throat> we've got a, we've already got kind of a good subject lined up, I think, uh, in awesome. the comments. So let's see. Uh oh, okay. You can can never can, get your hat straight in the camera. <laughs> no, and it's always like. Uh, is that is that right? And then I move my head and I'm like, ah, okay. I'm just going to wear it. And... Yeah. <laughs> Kev Wheely says, love to know your thoughts on my compressor, no concrete post anchor, Joe. 
Um, Kev, I'd like to try it. Um, I'd like to try it just to see before I give an opinion on it. Um, it's it's different enough that I understand the theory behind it, but I don't. I understand it at a thirty thousand foot view. I probably don't understand it as well as I should at the ten thousand foot view. Um, Kev, why don't you reach out to me directly? We'll see about you know if I need to buy a sample, I can. I uh, to try out to see how it goes. Um, Joe at thefenceexpert.show, send me a message, and we will line something up. <clears throat> Did you, Brain? Are you reading the comments here? Uh, I don't. Why? What's on Facebook? Nah, I don't. It's on. Yeah, I think this. Never mind. It's not. It's nothing bad. It's just a really long comment about. This is probably great for video. I apologize for you guys. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll get through that. All right. Roger Bencourt says, "Hey, fence fam, is Caleb driving and listening to you guys?" Yeah, is welcome, Roger. So, Caleb, we're getting back to. I'd like to get back to having you on the show once a month. Is it seems like? Listen, everybody's going a million miles an hour. Time flies. I looked at the calendar and I was like, "Oh, we are we are at the end of the month." Okay, so I guess here we are again. How are things going on the expert side? Man, it's going. Um, like you said, it's it's wide open. It's going nuts. And uh, we're just focusing on business. We're loving it. So it, it does seem like a few minutes since I've seen you, though. I know. You know, we were there for a while. We were traveling a whole lot. And uh, now yep. we're in the trenches. So I, I kind of like being <laughs> in the trenches, though, to be honest. Uh, yeah, uh, it's funny how um, like people talk about seasons of life and that sort of thing. I think you have seasons of business too, where <laughs> you you kind of modulate between working on the business, working in the business, right? You work on for quite a while, but then you're like, you know what? I'd like to work in the business for a little bit too, and you kind of switch back to that mm-hmm. mode. I feel like that's kind of where where uh, we're at at the moment is kind of be, like you said, getting back in the trenches, working in the business for a little bit. You got to do it. How's the new How's the new building coming? Uh, the big doors went on yesterday. Uh, we're in cl- fully enclosed, um, waiting on electrical inspection because we're moving three-phase power into the building. Oof. And uh, the walls are painted. Floors nice. coming next. HVAC is going in. It's coming along. Coming right along. I can't. I can't wait till. Can't wait to see what it's like when it's done. It was very cool doing the walkthrough. Wood siding. It looks beautiful, man. It's nice. Really nice. Yeah. Very cool. Guys, if you didn't watch the video, so when I was out at Sandy University, Kale and I took a brief tour through the building. Um, turned out it was already really nice. I can't wait to see how it turns out. Yeah, we're excited. Oh, we have a road going. now. Yeah, that's the main thing. We oh. have a real road. Big road. There you expensive go. Expensive road. <laughs> <laughs> Roads are expensive, it turns out. I believe it. We just we just resurfaced our asphalt here, and I I can't imagine what new what uh, new roads cost, asphalt, concrete, or otherwise. It's well, just, you know, um, probably the most aggravating part was it took me back to my fence days. We did Tennessee one call system here, eight one one. Yeah, we uh, we had all the lines marked over and over and over, and um, the gas company didn't mark the line early on, and uh, I called and said, hey the gas line's not been marked. And they said, oh, we've marked everything. And I said, well, <laughs> you know, up the road, they're doing construction and there's these yellow flags all the way down to our property line. Then they stop. And then there's a <laughs> gas meter, you know, out in the middle of the front of our property. And uh, they they just, we, we've marked it. We've been out there. It's already taken care of. There's nothing, there's nothing left. And the lady finally got nasty on the phone. And I said, okay. I said, I'm, 
I can see the line from here. You know where it's at. I'm I'm sending a guy right now to drive down with a backhoe. We're going to rip the line out. I said, whose responsibility is that going to be? And she said, hold, please. In about 10 minutes, their company came out and they marked it and they said, well, what do you know? There is a gas line there. So they marked that. Of course, I wasn't going to rip the gas line out. I just kind of had to, had to get the point across. Hey, if I rip it out, who's who's responsible? The yeah. water department did the same thing. The water department put, um, they put uh, blue flags down the road, right up next to the road, and then flags down to our meter. And while we were digging our road in, we have to remove uh, material, build a, a big base. Uh, our road's 24 feet wide and 75 foot apron out at the road. Oof. And so we're digging down. There's a lot of topsoil. We're removing all that. And we hit a white pipe on the upper part of the road, call the water department. And uh, the guy's like, no, no, there's, I, I said, I've unearthed a little, uh, you know, a piece of PVC pipe. I'd like you to come look at it to make sure that it's not part of your infrastructure. Nope, nothing there. I'm not going to waste my time. And I said, are you sure? Would you just please come out and look? And he said, yeah, I'll come look. He looked at it. He said, nope, not mine. I said, okay. So we kept, kept working and uh, we didn't uncover that one anymore. And, uh, and then we got a track loader in there, a big 963 Caterpillar track loader. And we're moving topsoil out a lot of topsoil. Cause I found a lot of really good topsoil. Nice. And, um, and we, we go in, it's wet. There's a spring. My guys keep saying there's a spring in the ground here. It's just getting wet. And, uh, it's been like that for a while. And, uh, and this dozer goes in there and it just, this, it rolls into this rut. And when it does a six inch water main rolls out of the ground and it doesn't break. <clears throat> and there, that's the white pipe that I was talking about. That was not the water departments. Uh -huh. so, so I called the water department and I said, uh, I found a water main and they said, well, we've already marked it and that there's no water main there. And I said, come, come look. So, so it just so happened that the guy that, that didn't want to look was on vacation. And so a guy from the next County over came. And uh, he said, well, that guy works under my license, so I'll take care of it. I'll look at it anyways. And he said, holy cow. He walked right out and he looked at his map and he got out and he said, that's the water main. That's right exactly where it's supposed to be. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I know it's the water main. And, yeah. you know, it, it's uh, so so we wound up digging the whole water main out and uh, putting gravel around it, securing it in there and then and fixing it. So it wasn't an issue. But it just uh, the the struggle that you fence guys. I must go through getting people to mark their own infrastructure is just incredible yeah and it's water water's the craziest thing i don't know why i don't i'm a fence guy i'm not a water guy so maybe mm -hmm. there's a reason but a lot of these utilities will put a trace wire in right so they can hook up to it on one end they can trace it exactly where it's at they know where it's at and then they may mark it and you say two feet on either side of the marking and you're fine mm -hmm. Water doesn't participate in this theory. They just have, like you said, maps. And so then yep. they just like, okay, so 24 feet this way, put a mark. 37 foot that way, put a mark. And it's all in degree headings. So you get somebody a little bit off, three degrees off, they're reading the compass wrong or they're stepping wrong. And all of a sudden your water markings are not even in the same area. Yeah. And so then you find yourself i mean imagine if you poked a hole in that six inch water main i mean well, it would have been niagara falls yeah i could have ripped it out yeah i could have tore the water main out it would have it would have been fine well and it you it you've done your due diligence down. twice yeah. i did it probably five or six times but yeah it's yeah. it's it's a lot and luckily i have a a great office staff who stayed on top of the one call and kept it updated <laughs> you know we so we've got a story that's kind of similar in that 
we we were doing work on the south side of town. Now this was it's crazy. This can just. So our story is similar, but see you now. we uh, ours was with fiber optic. Now this is probably got every bit of fifteen years ago, maybe maybe twenty years ago at this point. I, they all blend together, but this is when fiber was very new. Like there wasn't fiber was not repairable. It was you got to replace it from pedestal to pedestal. So we're doing work, and this is in a big open field. We're putting in a bunch of ranch rail uh, for a business. And we call in the locates and we had an on-site meeting because it was a pretty big project. And I was like, we just wanted them to know, Hey, here's where the fence is going. You don't need to mark the entire place down this line across. And oh, this is where we're putting in fence. Well, AT&T decided, or no, it was Mediacom. So our local internet provider. So they decided they don't have anything in the area. So we had this meeting, Mediacom reps, not there call Mediacom, nothing in conflict. Like, well, do you want to send somebody just to make sure? Nope. Nothing in conflict. Okay. So we had the meeting. Everyone else marks. We get an email from them because my dad's like, just send me something in writing that says you guys don't have anything here. They send an email. Nothing in conflict. Second hole. We've got a big skid steer. We're poking holes. And you hear the augers go, wah, 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 wah. It just bogged down. That's weird. There's no trees. There's 10, nothing. 10,000 wires come out of the ground. I mean, this thing was, it was mat, it was bigger than your wrist. I mean, it was, it was a big set of fiber optic and it was 10,000 of them jammed in this thing. And they're all like splintered and gnarly. Like, well, okay. So we, we called it in as a dig up. We're like, we found fiber. I, I know enough about fiber optic to know that's what this is. So we called it in and, and like you said, about 10 minutes later, Mediacom truck with lights flashing comes pulling up and he said, I want to know who's responsible here. I, it was me and a couple other guys. You like, are. I, I guess, I guess it's me. I don't, I don't know. Like, how can I help you? He's like, who dug this up? Like, well, we did. He goes, I'll have, you know, we got to replace all the fire. He goes, you've knocked the South, Springfield South of the interstate out of internet. He said, you are going to be held responsible. Well, I'm not. No, 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 no. We've got an email from you guys that says there's nothing in conflict. I'm sure someone will be held responsible. I don't doubt that. It won't be us, though. We tried to have you out for the meeting. We had, they had, I bet they had 20 guys out there and a couple backhoes just digging up frantically trying to get, because so south of this intersection or south of this interstate is still, there's a ton of businesses over there. So I'm sure yeah. there were businesses without internet that were just screaming. Uh, we caught, I'd have to go back and look. It was like a 20, they, they sent us an invoice and it was like 20 or $25,000 for this. And dad sent it right back with a copy of that email that said, we have nothing in conflict. And so he's like, we're not paying it. And if we, ha if we have to get lawyers involved, that's fine, but we will not be paying it. Uh, they tried, and then they sent it to collections. And so then, but eventually they just went away. But yeah, I mean, so there is a comment here that says, uh, let's lobby to make these locators be a little bit more mindful and hold the, and hold them liable for lazy locates. We deal with this crap all the time lately. This is what we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. No locates at all because they're like, oh, we don't have anything there. Well, they did in both these instances, right? They had look, they had utilities there. So, you know. It's almost a Homeland Security issue. It could be. It could you be. Know, I mean, it, because it is infrastructure. 
it is water, it is gas, it's electricity, and it's data. I mean, how more, I mean, what, if, if we were in war and the enemy invaded our territory, the first thing they would do is take out the water, the electricity and the data, Yeah, you know, that's what yeah. they would do. So, so, um, it almost seems like it does need to be taken a little more seriously. Well, and that's the thing it is it, it's not hard. Well, in the, in the case of this fiber, it could have been traced easily. Like they could have, because they'll have trace wires buried, especially critical infrastructure like this thing was like, they could have traced that within inches of knowing where it was. The water's different because they got to go by a map and we can still witch and, for water. I mean, we can witch for everything with two wires. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, uh, wouldn't hurt for that to be on every fence crew. Just walk the line. Well, but here's the thing, though, Caleb. So, but then who holds liability for it? Yeah. I don't want any part of that. We do the same thing. We do the same thing with survey stakes. I don't want any part of locating survey stakes. Can I? Sure. We've got metal detect. We've got metal detectors. We can go find these. If they're there, we can find the pins. But the <clears throat> moment you find the pin and you paint it pink, now you are liable for that pin. Right. There's some liability that comes on us for establishing that as a boundary marker. Mm -hmm. I don't want any bit of that liability. Yep. I'm a I fence guy. That. I want to build fence. If you'd like to have your corners marked, here's the list of three or four survey companies that we would recommend that you have them out. They can locate them. They can say whether or not they are a survey stake or whether the neighbor decided they were going to move it or whether the previous owner to you to this house decided they were going to move that stake. They can decide. You know, that them. happens a lot. People will dig yes. up. I, I remember a fence job years ago where every night the the neighbor would, would go out, dig up the stakes and move them like three feet every night. He did this for, for a long time. And he took five or 10 acres from this guy like that. And and the guy was like, I know he's doing it every time. We, I mean, we have to resurvey it every two weeks because, <laughs> and so they were, it was a crazy thing. But and that's the thing is you see this in this in these Facebook groups where they're talking about surveys. They're like, well, I just got a metal detector and I go out there and do that. Like I that's part of being a fence guy. Not when it you is. build a fence and then all of a sudden now there's a legal battle because somebody moved a pin or I mean, how often in these new neighborhoods, Caleb, do you see offset property lines where the back and the front don't match up? Mm -hmm. Right. Like who's to say now we can pull the county assessor's plat map online. A lot of them had the GIS systems, but I don't want any part of that because again, there's some liability there of actually creating a boundary line and I'm not a licensed surveyor. So anyway, crazy times, man, let, that's the way it goes. Let the professionals be the professionals. And that, yeah, it's, it's, we're in a litigious society, which is unfortunate. So yeah. we used to, we used to check them, we'd find them and mark them. And that's, that's, that's the way it was. But. I mean, that's why, I mean, what we have are two pin locators. It's what the surveyors use to go try to find it first before they bring out the GPS equipment. But we're not using those anymore. I mean, it just, like you said, litigious society. I don't want to be involved in a boundary line dispute. I want the customer to say, I want you to start there and go to there. And I'm going to put paint on the ground. You mean from here to here? Yep. That's exactly where I'm going to build this fence. I'm going to build it well. I'm going to build it right where you say to build it. I'll take liability for that. But I'm not, not for boundary lines. Not in today's day and age. But anyway, so... There is a comment up here that I think we could probably talk about here. Um, so Colby started off by saying T purple in the house, 2023, looking forward, looking, looking great for selling clients on wood maintenance. Um, then he goes on to talk about how recurring revenue is a game changer. Uh, we have to, when we have to slow down for winter regionally to keep the lights on. 
We got into a little bit of a discussion on maintenance plans and leading to recurring revenue. My point is that can help increase the value of the business. Mm -hmm. I had a friend that was trying to buy a business, like a landscaping type business, and the seller wanted <laughs> said it was worth like $2 million uh, because they did $2 million in revenue last year. Like, oh, well, wow. that's... That's not really how I that like works. That equation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It listen, if people are buying that, I've got some <laughs> things to offer you. Um, but no, we've got to talking about how recurring revenue plays into how you value the business. Um, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to get your thoughts on it. I know we talked a little bit about it at the Springfield event. We talked about it quite a bit at the Nashville Sandy University, just yeah. about how maintenance plans bringing them into businesses, uh, just to lead into recurring revenue. Uh, I thought that would be a good subject matter for today. Sure. Well, I think the recurring revenue part, I noticed his line there said about getting them through the winter. Yeah. It may. Um, it may keep the lights on. Because you think about it, let's just say you get $39.99 a month from 100 people, or you get $3,900 a month. If, you got a, a, if, if you're a one-man show, that will definitely probably do something for you. But if you're, uh, you know, if you've got a full team, that's really not going to move the needle. You know, uh, um, a fairly large business is not going to run on. It's not going to make that much difference, right? For an extra thirty nine hundred a month. But if you um, take those hundred customers and you get to service them year after year with new with new services, and you don't have to acquire that customer, that's valuable. You know, you've got a customer list there that you can call on, and and so uh, technically you're cost to acquire customers gone and your, your, so your margin should go up for those customers. So that's a good thing. And, um, marketing expenses are less, right? So, yeah. So there's a lot of benefits to that, but I think the main one is to keep your customers. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is to keep the customers, the big businesses you see that sell for millions and billions of dollars. Generally they have customers and that's what you're buying. Yeah. So yeah, the, like the recurring customer list <clears throat> for sure. When we talked a little bit about how, uh, actually, you and I were both in this group. We were in kind of a, a business mentoring group that was uh, outdoor spaces. And, and some of the guys in there were like in the pond, the water feature, that sort of business. Mm -hmm. And those guys loved, they love maintenance contracts because they send them out yeah. January 1. They'd say, you got to have it back by March 1. And so what they found is those three months that in their business were the tightest, they still had some revenue coming in. Like you said, it, it probably not life-changing money, but it was keeps something. Keeps the light on, yeah. Keeps That's the right. Lights up, right. I mean, listen, our utility bill around here is around a thousand a month. So if we had three thousand a month coming in, like at least it pays for the light and parts of part of the mortgage here, you know. And we can we can find a little bit of work to scrape by, um, but it helps. Is probably the point. To your point, also, it also helps with you know adding value too. So you're not paying for this customer year on year. The next thing is talking about selling related services to this list. If you have someone that's already comfortable paying you one for the staining and sealing, two for a recurring maintenance program, an email every six months that says, hey, just want to check in, see how things are going. Also, did you know that we do X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. Great. Love it. Caleb, so I, and I, when I say this, I see you guys doing something like this. Right, you guys send out a recurring email saying, "Did you know we carry these products?" Right? How does that email do for you guys? Um, they do well. So the email platform we use has dollar amounts beside of it. It tracks all that, so we can we can see what works. And um, really, you know, 
I like to send informational ones out that, that, yep. that, that, that seem to be what I like to do. Um, mm -hmm. I think the world tells us we need to hit a send out a cell or a coupon or a hard pitch every every week. But I like the informational ones. You know, yeah, did you know? Best. Yeah, did you know does does very well. And so uh, you'll probably get one tomorrow. You know, you'll probably get I, one. I love we, it. We do those, and it's yeah. fun. I think um, I think the recurring revenue is also going to help you scale if you want mm -hmm. to, because if you get a if you get two hundred or five hundred customers every year, and then next year I got to get. 500 more then the next year I got to get 500 more. Well, if you keep, you know, 25% of those customers every year after five years, you've got more customers than you can handle in a year. So <laughs> it, it, it means growth. You have to hire more crews, more team members, and it's, it's steady and it's something you can count on. So yeah. I think that's, what's important. So I don't, I don't, I think a lot of guys just expect on year one that it's going to make a huge difference and we're going to have all this free money coming in. It's not, but it's it's going to be something you can build up over time and absolutely really really make a difference with with time. It's like a, it's like a fine wine, I think. I couldn't agree more. And that's and and I think when you come at it from that perspective, that hey, this is a five year plan. <clears throat> now we, we will see small successes along the way, but in five years, when we turn around and look back at how far we've come, that's mm -hmm. where the impact is. Yeah, that you've got now. You've got this a client list that is used to paying you either on a monthly or quarterly or annually basis, this sum of money. And so <clears throat> you could, I mean, there's different maintenance plans out there. Like we can structure them however we want. The one I like is an annual cleaning. So, and it can be just the eco clean product, a sodium percarbonate product to where we go out, we knock the bird mess off of it. We clean it up for spring because like right now, everyone's graduating. In the next little bit, everyone's going to be graduating. So this is when I would be saying, hey, your outdoor space is getting ready to get a lot of use. How about we come through, clean this thing up for you, make it look great as part of our annual maintenance plan. You pay me once a year, it's clean, period. And and you can build in discounts on restaining services, or you can build it however you want. The cleaning service, the annual cleaning service, does it need cleaned every year? Debatable. Right. It looks nicer sure. when it is, but when we're talking about, does it need it? Debatable. I like being in that neighborhood every year though, because then you better believe it's going to be a big orange van or a big orange truck that is sitting in front of this house while we're in there cleaning it, making it look nice. So now also we're marketing in a neighborhood. If we're doing one client in that neighborhood, there's a good chance we'd like to do two or three more. Mm -hmm. We get into some synergies there as well. So we're also doing some marketing while we're there. The customer sees us once a year. They know exactly, you know, hey, here's where my money's going towards. Every three years, we're going to restain this thing. Uh, there's a lot more to it than the recurring revenue is great and the retaining of the customers is great, but there's also the marketing aspect to it too that you don't want to forget either because sure. when we leave, we're going to put a sign on the yard that – you know, says something like, you know, regularly maintained by Ozark Stainless Seal, you know, whatever, yep. whatever the sign says to. Back in the backyard all the time. You, you people get to see you. Mm -hmm. And then, it. like I said, the every six months, there's an email. Hey, did you know we do this, this and this and these related services? I like access better than some of the actual service. I like the access, the, the model for access. Um, most of your H so the way you can keep the costs down is with access. So it's very difficult to project what it's going to cost a year from now for 
you know, stain service because labor, oil, economy could go up or could go down. Mm-hmm. Same thing with cleaning service. And so we tried to we tried to get people to bundle up that service and just pay for it throughout the year. And then once a year, we would come out and perform the service. Mm-hmm. And, and that had two problems. One, it was a higher, usually it was a higher per month price because yeah. we had to take this two, three, four thousand uh, dollar ticket and break it down over 24, 36 months. And so that was tough. And when you get to the job, you know, two years out and you, you stain it, you had all that expense today, but you've really absorbed all of those payments over the years. So it really, you it didn't really feel great. But if, if, if we gave access a very low price per month, maybe nine 99, $39.99 a month, um, then, then it gives them access to, um, discounts, front of the line service, et cetera. And that's the way a lot of HVAC companies do it. But that's also kind of tough to sell because they don't get to touch or feel anything. So yeah. what the HVAC guys do is they we're going to come and inspect your air conditioner. It's $9.99 a month. And we're going to check it at the beginning of spring and the beginning of winter. And, um, and, and then that's where they get their upsells. So what we've done, similarly, we've done the, um, the citronella product. It's, yep. it's our, we call it natural defense. It's a blend of five essential oils, keeps bugs off the fence, keeps bugs out of the backyard. It's, it's evolved since what we've sent you. And, okay. um, and so, so that's what we do for $39.99 a month. And we'll come out twice a year and blow all the debris off the fencer deck. We will inspect the fencer deck. So, you know, Hey, your gate latches, you know, it needs some issues or whatever. We might fix that. And uh, we'll apply that natural defense twice a year and then they get front of the line service they get discounts they get special offers you know they get things they get perks uh and that's what the membership is most people even so we'll do that even if you build a new fence and you can't afford to have it stained a lot of people get the quote and they say well you know i can't afford it now because joe everest is the most expensive fence guy in town and you know I, i went with the premium orange fence and uh and so, so they say, but I'll call you back in the fall, you know, I'll, we'll get it done later. And they never call, but if we can get them to say, you know what, I, I understand. I appreciate that you, 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 you're the kind of person who likes quality, right? So you bought a quality fence from Joe Everest, but so I also know you want to take care of it. So if you can't afford the full service now, let's go ahead and get you on this expert club for $39.99 a month. We can go ahead and keep the bugs off of it. We can, we can do something for it now. And uh, then that's going to get you a discount later on down the road um, when it is time. And now I'm going to be emailing them. They're going to be seeing me. They're going to, they're not going to forget less likely to forget. And we've got the customer. So if you're paying the electric company uh, or the plumbing HVAC company, 10 bucks a month, and they come and check your air conditioner, they look at it and wash it off of the water hose once a year, twice a year. When your water heater goes out, who are you going to call? Yep. I'm calling a dude I've been paying $9.99 a month to because he owes me, right? And so that's the, that's the idea. So I like the idea of selling access. That's what we've evolved to is the access. You get access to the discounts to the front of the line and we'll sweeten the deal by keeping some bugs out of the backyard or out off the fence. Sure. Absolutely. And we, so we use company camo, like a photo storage software, um, not storage software, but a photo software where when we're doing the maintenance, we'd actually go through, take pictures too. Mm-hmm. So say, hey, if you get, if a hailstorm rolls through here, because the first thing adjusters, insurance adjusters do is they say, well, we're going to appreciate out this fence because we're pretty sure it was damaged before the storm. So we're only going to pay you a portion of that. We say, no, no, we will email you the pictures it, right after we take them. You'll get them. We'll, st- we'll keep them if you need them again. But then also you have 
you know, documentation that says on April the 28th, this was a condition of the fence. It didn't have hail damage. It was yep. in really good shape. Now we can talk about paying more of this claim than less of it. And to your point, we would also do gate adjustments while we're there. We would do all of the things um, just so that they knew, hey, their fence is in tip-top shape. Uh, I, it's not as hard to sell this as I think people think it may be or they make it out to be. It, because, like you said, yeah. it's totally normal for HVAC companies. They they kind of pioneered this where we'll come out twice a year. We'll check your AC system in the spring. We'll check your heat system in the fall. Make sure you're ready to go. Knowing that do they really need service every <clears throat> year? Probably not. But people want to make sure. I think the auto industry did it before because really if you think about it, you take your car in to get an oil change or whatever. They they do a 18-point inspection, right? And that's part of the fee, right? So we're looking for things and people feel good that they did a 376 point inspection on your car right. and, uh, and they got a checklist. Yeah, they got a checklist and, uh, and that's what it is. I think there's a lot of, for a lot of people, you know, uh, most of the guys listening to the show are probably really handy with a screwdriver, with a wrench They we can, you know, I can change a motor in a car. I can put a track back on a skid steer. I can fix a bulldozer engine. Um, it's not my job, but I know how to do it because I grew up doing those things. So things to me, um, like maybe mowing my grass or whatever, may not seem like something that I would want to pay somebody to do. But I am not my customer. Sure. My customer wants to know that everything's okay. They want to know that it's been inspected. They want to know that it's been taken care of properly. So I think we have to get it out of our head that, well, I wouldn't pay for that. So who else would? So the the in the in the cities and things, people... They don't want to worry about it so they want to make sure they they work with a company that can get those things handled for them and if there is a problem the company will identify it for them and and they'll fix it for them years ago one of one of our max latch gates uh you know that you got the the pin and the striker or whatever mm -hmm. and and sometimes the gate will hang a little bit some snag and you just you take a hammer you hit the pin up and it lines up perfectly right and so I remember 15 years ago or whatever, we built a fence for this guy, a really nice fence. And he said, you know, the gate's just not lining up just, just perfectly. I, I need you to come out and adjust it. And I said, well, what's going on? And he sent me a picture or something. And I said, oh, I said, just grab a hammer, give it one little lick straight up. And I said, that'll fix it. It's just slightly out of adjustment. He said, I, I don't have a hammer. And, and I realized something that day that we are all not built the same, you know? So, right. Right. Those, those people need us, man. So yeah. I like the access model. That's what yep. we're, we're putting our eggs in that basket. Well, let's circle back around. Let's say hi to a few people. Let's circle back around because I've got a few more thoughts just on some benefits here. We know this guy. What's up, Clint? Says hi from Amity. Amity, good to see two NAFCA members via YouTube. Clint, good, good morning, to see Clint. You. Good to hear from you. We also know this guy. What is up, Cannon Johnson? Morning, gents. Looking good, fellas. Just picked up stain, picked up a stain and go machine from Expert yesterday. So excited for this new venture. I like it. I like it. Cannon's we'll, uh, is getting the upgrade, man. We're upgrading his. I got his parts right here. I'll show them to you uh, in a few minutes. All right. So I'd like to see what parts. So we actually just got some parts in the modifier. So it'd be good How to kind of compare. How does that look? Where's so that? does that look better? Yep. 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 So one, uh, I don't. I really I'll want to run out there and go see. No, no, I'll say it. I'll say it. The machine with rough, the, this machine was designed for smooth cut lumber. Smooth cut lumber does not have sawdust on it. So when you, when you stain 
smooth cut lumber, this machine works beautifully. For rough cut lumber, it needs a bigger drain because of all the sawdust. And um, so we're going to go from a half inch or three quarter inch drain to this big, uh, big guy right here with a big, huge ball valve on it. And that's going to make it a lot more friendly for guys like Joe. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that's what we're doing. That's that's version two. We just got a lot of version one machines, but version sure. two will be manufactured that way. So it's going to be really nice. nice. Yeah, we got a we got a inch inch or inch and a half bulkhead um, with a with a ball valve on it. We're gonna see about mounting that uh, probably next week. Um, but you guys will be seeing a video shortly of version 1.0. Uh, we ran we did the initial unboxing and then we ran what did we run like a hundred pickets, hundred pickets through it, and then the next day, the next day or the day after, a couple days later, we ran. Uh, 600 pickets 600 pickets and 60 some odd rails through it um, and that's where the 100 pickets we didn't really have an issue with sawdust just because mm -hmm. it didn't have enough time to accumulate um, the 600 pickets it it had a little bit more uh, a little bit more time to accumulate uh, but you and i jumped on the phone and and worked through a solution so you guys will be seeing that video shortly can't wait to see it chris caruso chris Cirque distributors hey guys great to see both of you great to see you as well we love stain and specifically expert stain and seal. Thank Couldn't you. agree more. Thank you. Uh, oh, well, Kyle's got a question, not a stain question, but any ideas where I can get a Postmaster adapter for a Titan PGD 3200, the one they carry I hate? I don't, but if anyone watching has any ideas where you can get this particular adapter, drop them in the comments below. Ken said they also got their first order of post savers coming from expert. Building a good fence is where we need to focus. Be different, be better, be an expert. So Cannon's, Cannon's really hitting a nail on the head here, which is providing additional value is always good for the customer. And it's good for the business, right? Because mm -hmm. we can also talk about markup. If we have, when we add more value, we can also increase the markup or the end, the net profit, right? We have a higher ticket to markup. That leads us with more profit at the end of the project. So uh, Candace hitting this nail on the head. But I think this is something to talk about because we talk about increasing our margins, right? We need to get X percent. I like 50%. But I think people mishear me when they say, well, I could never take advantage of my customer like that. Just raise my rates and and I'd be taking advantage. Well, no, no, no. I'm not talking about raising your rates without bringing additional value. I'm talking about doing what Cannon's doing, which is bringing exceptional value to his clients. Because he's saying, hey, listen, we've got a stain and go machine. We can stain pre-stain your fence board so you're not worried about staying in the yard now or overspray. We can bring them to you already stained. And also, the posts that go in the ground, they're going to be protected by post savers. And that's going to lead to a longer fence because everyone knows fence failure typically starts at the post. So let me head that off at the pass by introducing you to the post saver product. That's how you increase your margins by bringing additional value to the client. Man, I just think everybody's got the wool pulled over their eyes about that, to be honest. I mean, the electric company, the phone company, um, yeah. Netflix, they're all running 99%, maybe 100% gross profit margins. And uh, it, it costs them nothing to onboard somebody at the phone company for new internet service or whatever. And yeah. uh, here we are complaining over 50%. If you're getting a 50% margin, that's a great place to start. But really, you got to get the margin because you're not taking advantage of your customer. You're actually taking advantage of your customer if you're running a 20 or 30% margin. Because when they need you, there's a good chance you're not going to be there. 50% yeah. margin is a place to start to ensure that in three years, if your gate falls off, I'm going to come and fix it. 
because yep. I'm still going to be in business. And I'm going to have good employees that aren't smoking crack because I can't, you know, that may sound a little rough, but you know what it's like. If you're paying, if you're paying the bottom wage, you're going to get the bottom level employees. People don't want that in their yard. I think most people, there's a reason Starbucks is doing what it's doing. People want quality. So mm-hmm. I think you've got to get that margin so you can take care of your team. So you can be there to service your customers in the future. So well, I think, uh, I it, think that's, that's a pretty strong argument there. It, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And <clears throat> the point I was making was I, listen, if you're, you've got to figure out how to bring your value commiserate to what you're charging. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, hey, if you're charging 35%, I'm not saying charge 50% tomorrow for the same product. Right. Add value to build up to the 50% or more. Right. And so that's kind of the road I was going down was Canon's hitting this exactly right in that he's building more value to the clients so that then he can justify the additional margin to charge to the customer. Yeah, I agree. So this is kind of an interesting thought so i'm not sure how this will be helpful but maybe visiting the clients every three months in person after installation may help in getting valuable inputs emails will certainly boost the understanding of the customer insights but visiting will certainly give more confidence to the customers um so this is something we did pre-pandemic and so seeing this reminds me that we we should probably start it again not every three months but we would do a 12-month follow-up to where so we built the fence we'd say hey it's time for your 12-month follow-up we just want to come out make sure the gates are adjusted correctly make sure there's not any problems with the fence it's included in the price it's no cost to you it is actually just a warranty review of the fence that we actually come out to conduct yeah rave and and so in that email had a scheduling link right and so we would schedule a maximum of two a day monday through thursday and go out and do exactly what we say we're going to do, right? We would send out scatter some of the guys with tools to adjust a gate because gates, we're talking about wood fence here, right? So gates need adjustment. But while he was out, he said, Hey, while I'm here, I noticed that you didn't have your fence pre-stained. This would be a great time to get on the schedule to have your fence stained. This would also be a good time to talk about, you know, we, we, we replaced two parts of your fence, that back line, it's looking like it's about time to replace it. Would you like a bid just to know what that would look like when you're ready to do that? Absolutely. And people were amazed that we would come out to do a one-year warranty review. Like, you you want to come back and fix it? Well, yeah, well, because I'm fixing it on my schedule. Yeah, you're educating them too. Right, right. Because yeah. now when the neighbor wants a fence, they'll go, hey, I noticed Joe, the, the guy in orange was in your backyard. And yep. uh, I'm thinking about getting a fence. And he goes, they did a great job, but... I didn't pre-stain mine. If I had to do it over again, I'd get it pre-stained. If you get one, you should definitely get it pre-stained now. I mean, he's now he's selling for you. So Absolutely. And he came out to do a warranty review for free. Like, I was really expecting to have a $99 charge when he showed up, but he didn't charge me. He adjusted the gates. He walked the fence, make sure everything looked great. He didn't charge me anything. I can't believe it. So now you have a little bit of a cheerleader on your team also. So that when they are ready, you know, to your point about access, when they are ready to replace that back fence, who do you think they call? Well, they call the guy that put his money where his mouth is. Not only do they have a lifetime warranty, they come out for free to make sure you don't need any warranty. They actually look for stuff to fix. But yeah, so maybe not every three months. We we do that. We when we were doing that, we would do it as a twelve month follow up, a one year. Twelve follow-up. months is great. Three, you you could also do three months and then twelve months. You, you know, could. You could hit it. The nice thing here too is we were doing it on our schedule, 
right? So we would just tell them what days and times we had available so that we're getting a little bit ahead of it too. So they don't call us and say, hey, this gate doesn't work. It hasn't worked for months. I need you to come out now to fix it. Well, hopefully we were already there. We were there the first year because yeah. that's when most of the settling is going to occur, <clears throat> right? So, and this is kind of a discussion that we have when we're talking about digging versus driving is when you're digging the post, you're disturbing all the soil around that hole. Now, well, you can fill it with concrete or you can do whatever you choose to do when you're setting this post, but the soil is still disturbed around it. So even setting it with concrete, you're going to see a little bit of settling as the ground around this hole recompacts. Typically happens in the first year. After, after a wet season and a dry season, you usually see a little bit of settling. So we found that by doing a one-year checkup, that's pretty much all the maintenance this gate needs. Now, we will come back and it's a lifetime warranty. So if they call in seven years, we will go right back and adjust that gate. Knowing that the chances of that call happening slim to none, right? But if it happens, we will do it. Mm -hmm. uh, the first year is where the majority of these calls come in. So that's where that 12 month follow-up comes into play. You know, there's, there's something else that just kind of very rarely do, do most guys get to go back and look at their work. And we know we build a good fence or do a good stain job or do a good paint job or whatever it is when we leave it. Most of us are not going to leave a job in bad condition, right? It's going to be right. But very seldom do we get that opportunity to see what it looks like a year down the road, three years down the road. So I think that's a great opportunity to take notes and learn and say, you know what? The way we're building these gates, it sags an inch every single time yeah. after a year or or you know, the way, and, and that's the way we, we fixed our cut-in problem. So a lot of the, you know, stain companies out there teach wetting the house down with water and then mm -hmm. just spraying the fence with a sprayer and then rinsing it with water again or degreaser or whatever. And we used to do that. And what we found was three months, six months down the road, the one or two pickets next to the house were lighter. Well, guess what? We don't do anymore. We cut everything in by hand and, and we spray, you know, up to the you know, the last two or three pickets, then we cut it all in by hand and we mask and um, our callbacks are down and our jobs look better. And so mm -hmm. it's good to go back and look and see and then change your service. What we found was all the shortcuts that I could do as an owner operator. When we try to scale the business with team members, we can't do it because yeah. everybody's not going to do it the way that I do it. So we had to go, we had to simplify things and maybe it, it kind of hit me as an epiphany years ago. It was like the, the things, the shortcuts for me, cost you later yep. they, you know they cost you more time so we found it's just faster to have we got the seven steps baby on our on our work orders you got to follow the steps so yep. the dollar was, you save tomorrow cost you two dollars or the dollar you save today cost you two dollars tomorrow certainly can brian frederickson what's up guys what's up brian mr fwa how are you Cannon says never sold a service like that but i love it probably talking about the maintenance programs i think this is something I think this is something we should talk more about. We should we should keep talking about it until people figure it out, especially from a fence company where fence companies don't necessarily have a recurring revenue model, right? Like there's not a great one, but by adding staining services, now you have a pathway to a recurring revenue model through these maintenance plans. Yep. It's we add a good amount of we a good amount of revenue to our business yearly by offering staining and sealing. Canon, exactly what you're getting ready to start doing is pre-staining very does very well for us it really does so 
I, I think Brian's a little confused on how this works. He says, I've been running all my chain link wire through the machine and it's going through rollers. Any idea how to fix that? Brian, that's not actually um, not actually how you get color-coded wire. Um, not not how you do it. Not but if it works, let us know. Well, <laughs> not the manufacturer's recommended use of the machine. <laughs> but, yeah, if... Can you just imagine running black stain through that going or black paint or whatever going? It's just not guys. This is chewing up rollers. The I'll expert wire cutter. <laughs> I, there's a few guys that would like to have a conversation with you about that, Brian, because that could really be a game changer. Uh, John says, is there going to be any more standing university events this year? Hopefully warmer one. John, are you in Nashville? Is this John from Princess Fences? Oh, maybe if it is, um, stained his fence years ago but anyways um i don't know you know we haven't we haven't really got anything on the books yet we're uh we're in such a growth phase and, yeah. and it's just man we're just getting after it i, I really like the big one every year yeah. um i i think this last standing university really opened my eyes to the fact that we need to make it bigger we need to uh we need to make it bigger and we need to really focus on that one big one and just really knock it out of the park every year yeah. Um, I'm not opposed to doing a bunch of smaller ones, but sure. really got to have one showstopper. We've done that in years past, and um, I, I'll give my impressions, which is not necessarily your, you know, your thoughts. These are my thoughts, is it's a, it's a pretty large expense for n not as large of a return, mm -hmm. right? In, in terms of we would have travel expense, lodging expense, meals, and all this – to sit and talk with maybe a handful of contractors about staining when we could have the same expense and talk to several hundred contractors. You know, if we're, if we're talking about money spent versus, you know, training received or however you want to say that, I, yeah, I, I this, the individual trainings just didn't seem like that was there. Well, I think the main reason was because, um, many times when we do them, those, those trainings, we did have expense getting there and doing things, but we generally left it up to the local supplier who was hosting the event. And you're a supplier, you're not a, a, a show uh, or an event organizer. So a lot of those guys kind of have to pull it out of, out of nowhere and just kind of figure it out and, and um, probably not market it as well as it could be. And so for us, when, when a, when a supplier, host an event for us, they shut their whole operation down for one or two days and they ho have to host us. And then they feel the need to take us out to dinner because we're, we're coming for free to, to do their event. And, and, uh, and then when they don't get the turnout that they deserve or need, um, to me, that's a problem because, because our goal is to make a supplier be successful. Yeah. And so if they don't get enough people, um, yeah, we were out money, but our supplier who we came down here to make a win out of it, it just didn't work for them. So very um, true. But it's difficult to do, you know, ten Super Bowls a year. I mean, there's a reason there's only one. So yeah. So that's that's kind of the way I see it. How can we make it the biggest and best and get everybody there? Um, yeah. This I, year, this year's it's 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 funny. We say this every year where we're like, I don't know how it could get any bigger. Like this year was massive. Like I I don't know how it seems like every year it gets progressively larger. This year was a massive show, massive oh, turnout. Yeah. Oh, I know how to make it bigger. We're working on it. Okay. Okay. I, uh, yeah. So, so John, the answer, well, and so John answered you, Caleb. So he's, yeah, an, he's, indie. An, he's an indie. Yeah. I know several John Cummings. Oh, but he was at the Nashville event. 
So mm-hmm. very good. It was a little chilly. Was a little rainy, but you know what's funny? So we did. We do. We were doing a bunch of these events, and it rained ninety nine percent of the time. Like I, I don't know that we had that we did one where it didn't rain. Honestly, well, uh, North Carolina event. I don't think it rained for that event. So that might no. have been the one. Yeah, but the food trucks took they you know <laughs> five hundred burly contractors. Yeah, they send a barbecue truck and a vegan truck, right? <laughs> and, and and so the barbecue truck was a three three hour wait, and yeah. the vegan lady was over there like I got I got burgers and stuff, and there's soy burgers, and I was like. There's that one guy over there at the soy truck. So. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'll, I'll give it three hours. That's fine. Yeah. You know, well, and in their defense, they had another truck that had canceled. Like it mm-hmm. broke down or something, and they they couldn't show. It. So it's like the next day, sorted out. Like they was they had all the food and it was ready. Yeah, yeah. But but that first day, yeah, that was it was a little rough. It was a little rough. It's got to be tough running a vegan food truck. <sighs> yeah, in the south. Yeah, that's that's true. That's probably true. Uh, we know this guy, Matt Latticer. I almost said the other one. Matt Latticer. What is that? So if you guys listen to the intro song, this is the guy. How do I point? I point like that. That's the guy. Uh, it's Matt. So Matt, what is up? Well, yeah, that picture's, um, (laughs) not current. Uh, the picture's not current. (laughs) Matt, appreciate you coming in. We should have Matt here, like on a live. Like, I think that would be, that would be awesome. Uh, let's see. Uh, your thoughts on how AI is going to play an important role in the fencing industry. We are just like hitting all the big topics today. Uh, I don't know. That's that's the answer. I mean, so with marketing right now, right? So you could, you know, in AI, we're probably talking about like chat GPT and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like every day I'm learning more about this sort of stuff. Like there is, mm-hmm. you can teach it about you and your business about you could teach it things and then say hey this is what's important to us this is what we think is important to our clients this is how we do it this is what we stand for now please create a 60 second video script relaying you know these top points and it'll send it out and then you can give it critiques like please change this this and this in this way and it will change but it also learn too so it uh I don't know. It for a fence guy, it's a lot to digest. That is for sure. Yeah, yeah. We're. I mean, I. I see. Just use it. Go. We don't know. It's like the internet. Like it's. It's so new that we don't know. Can you imagine what it'll be in ten years? But I think. Um, I think it's got a place, right? You know. I guess everybody thought. I've been saying this for years, and I didn't know how true it was. I was saying that the tradesmen, that's where the future is going to be. The money is going to be in the guys who are tradesmen. And um, I never dreamed AI would come along. You know, everybody thought that um, robots and computers and things would replace boots on the ground first, right? It's going to replace the coders, the web designers, the video people. It's going to replace those things first. So that's what I was telling uh, some of, uh, you know, Will, the camera guy that um, I said, look, man, your generation, you've got to figure out how to use this AI. That's what's going to make you like, forget everything else. You've got to learn how to take this and use this in, in what you're doing to become valuable. And I think that's true because yeah. I, I don't see it going away. 
No, no, it's not. You know, and when we we used to when we were saying it was going to replace boots on the ground, we were picturing like terminators, right? Yeah. Like going out and fighting battles. That's but nice. actually what it's doing is it's making our the war machine smarter. You know, it's there are less boots on the ground because we can be more effective in other ways than just putting boots on the ground. Like it was I was listening to this other podcast talking about chip manufacturing here in the United States, which the United States is investing billions of dollars in domestic chip manufacturing. There's they have AI learning in these chips that they put into war machines. They were they were talking about tanks and stuff to where it makes them progressively smarter. Like mm-hmm. they learn and adapt that just and whether it's talking about guidance or it's talking about whatever it's talking about, it makes these things smarter so that you need less people to operate them. Right. So the thing is guiding itself to a certain extent and it's doing so now you can run you can run an Abrams tank with less people in it. Right. So that's that's actually how we're reducing boots on the ground, not by replacing them with robots, but by making the few people that are on the ground more effective. Yeah. So is is that how AI affects fencing? I don't know. Like we will just have to see. I mean, it's listen, these YouTube videos live forever. So like whatever we guess is going to come back to us like 10 years from now, they're like, oh yeah, you didn't think there was going to be robot fencers? Well, guess what? Here's the the Fence Master 3000, the thing that can build fences as you go. Yeah, well, like lo- locates, Tennessee one calls or, or Missouri one calls, whatever, mm-hmm. 811 system. You could probably automate that. You know, software would automatically, when you close a job, it automatically does the locate. There's There's yep. probably a lot of things that we could do, marketing for sure. Um, well, and that gets into like, that's a whole big discussion just, and so what you were talking about hints at blockchain, right? That it would pull information from a large system on the blockchain and then start feeding it out to ancillary services. Mm -hmm. So uh, the locates, because we've already got all the information. We have a layout diagram. We have the GIS map. We've already got Mm -hmm. it in our system. We've got the address, the phone number. Yeah. And then you just tell it, Hey, at this serve at this milestone we need this and here is the scheduled install date so we need to back the locates up a week prior to that or whatever the whatever your deal is um you know it's there were a lot of good conversations going on about blockchain ideas while crypto was hot now that crypto is not as hot the blockchain conversations aren't going on as much but I think it's something to think about just about how we can give transparency to customers. You know, if you gave, if you gave customers access, you know, right now we do it like through a portal, but if you gave them a blockchain ID to where they could see every step of the process, Hey, the work order has been entered. The materials are verified, no verified that they're on site. The, this, the locates have been called the locator is scheduled to be out. You could give so much transparency through the process to give customers a little bit more reassurance that you haven't run to Mexico with their deposit. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think this is a whole conversation all of it itself. It and is, I'm here man. for it, but, uh, we know Ooh. this guy also bam, bam what's up? Here. bam, bam is here. He was working on Saturday earlier. He was up here. No, it, the guy never sleeps. I don't never, think never sleeps. So this is kind of a good question. Uh, not kind of, this is a good question. What do you consider to be your legacy? Uh, how do you want to be remembered? And well, before he said that he had said, uh, besides building good fences, what do you consider, 
uh, to be your legacy? How do you want to be remembered? It's a big question. You know, the last few years, I've really, it's really been important to me in, in the thought process of how, how many things, how many people had to sacrifice, how many people had to die, how many people had to do a lot of things um, to get to here. And there's almost, I think, and uh, I want to be careful how I say this, like you have a responsibility. I feel like I have a responsibility to, to not be so selfish and like the next 1000 years of my f- family depend on the things I do today. So, yep. and they don't have to remember me. You know what I'm saying? I think it's like probably a thousand years ago, somewhere, somebody literally went and, um, you know, the British are coming or whatever. The The bad guys are, the Huns are coming over the hill. They're going to kill the, the kids and the wife that are over here. I'm going to go sacrifice myself so that they can live. And people did that a lot. Or there's a mountain lion or there's a saber tooth tiger. And I'm going to go, I will, I'm, I know that as I walk out here, I, I won't come back, but my family will live. And how many people had to sacrifice to get us all to where we are? Every single one of us. And so, so for me to be uh, selfish and not do the very best that I can um, is not fair to the future generation. It's not fair to the people behind us. So that's been on my mind a lot lately. Um, legacy, I feel like the word legacy really means like I want people to remember me. Um, and that's not necessarily it for me. I think I just want to make sure that I do the things that future generations need me to do so that they can have good morals, have good uh, family tree, have good um, roots if that makes sense. They're not going to remember me. Right. So what, what can I do to, to uh, just make sure that, that they are prepared or they are, they are, have a good foundation under them. So, and I don't know what the answer is yet. Yeah. I don't know. I'd like, you know, I'd I'd like, I'd like the legacy I leave behind is that I made it better for those around me. Mm -hmm. Right. That, and whether it's through, you know, through these trainings, through charitable donations, through what whatever it is, uh, through whatever we do here on the channel, is that I had a positive impact and I made things better. You know, I improved things, maybe just a small increment, but I made things better for those around me. I think that's a positive legacy to leave mm-hmm. behind. Yeah, if you can touch as many as people possible and they can all do that, you know, let's make yeah. that cool. Let's make it cool to do the right thing. Well, and that's what I'm telling you. Know, so we're we give quite a bit here at the office and to to <clears throat> this local organization called Sertoma, and that's kind of you know that's what I when we're in these lunch we have lunches every week and I'm like guys listen if little old fence guy can donate this kind of money to help kids in our community what can you guys do like if if a family owned fence company can do this I think it's possible for you to do this and you to do this and you to do this so that we can all band together to find make things better because my granddad knew back in the day that by building a stronger community we'd have a stronger community to sort to support our company right it's it's a cyclical cycle if we have a more prosperous community we have a more prosperous business if we have a stronger community we have a stronger business so we have a history of giving back to the community. I'm trying to make it bigger and better. And, and that starts with the kids, right? Like it's cliche, but the kids are our future. Like these, mm-hmm. this is, these are the people that will be the business professionals in the next 20 years. So I think that's a legacy I want to continue is, is building better communities and whether that's locally or, you know, in the fencing community, whatever. 
I got a, I got a serious question, Joe. Okay. Have you coached a T-ball team yet? I am. I I'm am. doing. I'm doing two T-ball teams. I'm doing a, a coach's pitch and a T-ball, little league and T-ball okay. right now. Okay. It's, it's fantastic. I love it. It teaches patience. It teaches patience. It teaches presence as well. I think yeah. uh, when when I'm doing that. In fact, that's why I was late this morning because I T-ball is over at at, uh, at nine or ten, and yeah. um, I'm totally present when I'm there. Yeah, totally present. And there's nothing else on my mind. And seeing the improvement in those little guys and little girls, man, it's pretty cool. Yeah. If you've never done that, I highly recommend it. If you're you listening. should do it. You I should. never thought I would do that. <laughs> we uh so Jackson's five, and so he's still on the he's still doing T ball. Mm -hmm. And um last year last year was <clears throat> last year was the first year, no nah, second year, probably. Five, four, three. No, nah, it's probably for anyway. They all blend together. It's a lot. My dad told me before I got started, he goes, listen, I'm just going to tell you, it's a lot like herding cats. They're going to run in every direction and you're going to try to push them in the direction they want. They're going to go every which direction. You just need to be okay with it. If you can get one or two of them to head the right direction, that's a win. You know, it's, and where I see this is like these kids hit the ball and you want them to run to first. You're like, just get to first. No, they were trained. They go get that ball. And they get it back to the pitcher. It's like <laughs> not, a, not on my team, Joe. We're winners over where I'm okay, at. We've well. won all our games so far. I'm the guy that said, "If you did, your dad say it was okay if we lose?" Yeah. Well, your dad's a loser, and he's wrong. You know, that's I'm, I want these kids winning, man. I, I don't push them too hard, but you know, it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun, man. No, well, we uh, yeah, we're still we're behind the ball on uh, coaching. So this year, uh, the head coach had messaged head coach last year messaged everybody said uh, they weren't going to be able to coach and said, "Hey, would you guys want to coach?" Wait to be clear, I am perfectly fine being the assistant coach. Yeah. I'm not going to be. So my daughter, my daughter's 14 now, so I coached, I helped coach her softball team, and I saw how m more involved parents get the older the kids get. Right. And it was like, why Susie not, why Susie leading off instead of being cleanup or why she mm -hmm. at the bottom of it? No, no. I'm going to go stay on third base and I'm going to tell them to run when the ball's in the outfield. Like that's <laughs> where I want my space to be. And I'm going to tell them to yeah. throw the ball where it needs to go. But head coach of these teams, that's, that's commitment. That is commitment for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so the league we're playing in uh, is right here in our small town, Alexandria. And, and it's, it's a, actually a young lady that's, that's uh, running the show, like the whole league or whatever. And she's giving, um, she's, she wants everybody to have participation trophies at the end. She's 22 years old. And so when they said that, I said, well, then we have to win because I don't want my kids getting participation trophies. All these kids, I, I don't want that. They, they need to, they need to win, but I want them to, I want them to lose some. Yeah. I want them to have some right. hard fought losses and some hard fought wins. Um, but, but, uh, so far, because the so losses far make the wins worth it. Yeah. Like they make them feel better. If, if everyone gets participation trophies, like, well, then why do I need to win? Why do you know, I need to put was... in the extra effort if I'm still going to get a trophy at the end of the year? So, so our T ball, we're, we're doing it different where you can, you can pitch three, three pitches. And then okay. if you, if you miss or, or whatever, three strikes or whatever, it's they're they're doing four strikes for these T ballers. And if the, and if, if the fourth time you don't hit it or the third time you don't hit it, then the fourth one you're out or you can hit it off the tee. You get to choose. 
And so when the kids get those, you know, every once in a while, one will get three swings and they miss and they're like, okay, do you want the tea? And some of them are like, no. I can't. And, and a win for me was saying, Hey, you've missed three. I know you think you can hit it, but, you, but if, if you don't hit this ball, then somebody at the back of the line, they're not going to get to bat. Do you want to do that to your team? And they go, well, I'll do the T. And then when they do the T and then you tell them, you know, hey, you did the right thing because you hit it. You knocked it out in the field and you got bases. And the people behind you are all going to get the hit. And seeing about how to be a part of the team and maybe not do what you want, but but do what the right thing is. And I think that's pretty cool. So yeah, I'm really absolutely. enjoying it. I think, I think I'll continue to do it forever. I, I really like it. It's a yeah, commitment, it's, though, man. It's from freaking March to July. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no Saturdays, no Mondays, no Tuesdays, no Thursdays. Well, see here. So here they do two sessions in the summer. So you go through like August, September, and it's it's all of it. Now you get a like right. And some of these kids, my my kids, though, but some of these kids are year round athletes. Like yeah. right now, they're getting off of soccer, so they're still doing soccer. So we got a cup. I say we have to like so Saturdays. So they're at practice right now because Saturdays work for everybody. But practices have to be cut short so that they can go to soccer games because they overlap right now. And in the fall, you get football. So then you get mm -hmm. practices cut short and kids miss games because football's going on and. I don't like that's a whole different discussion, but kids playing sports year round is is kind of a wild thought too. Man, you'd love it where we're at. We're we're kind of country. There's a there's a hole in the outfield that an animal lives in. <laughs> yeah. So, somebody I think we're gonna go smoke him out and get him. Because you know, the hole he keeps digging a big old hole in the field. You can a dog could go down in the hole. So really we got a job to do. And, and we can we could go shoot him in our hometown because we're country. So <laughs> I love there's it. Ne there's never a dull moment. <laughs> Fence vlog says Jeff says sign me up for four Fence Master three thousands. You're not kidding. Bam says he's blessed or cursed for three. Oh, good. We're talking about leaving legacy. You're either blessed or you're cursed for three generations. That's that's a weighty thought. Like, am I going to screw the next three generations up? I hope not. And you see that in people though. Yeah. Uh, do you think the future will have more demand for jobs such as plumbing, electricity, and manual labor because the youth is leaning towards technology? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, technology just, doesn't build fence, pole, fence posts, doesn't build utility poles, it doesn't build sewers. Well, just that, that question is almost self-fulfilling prophecy there. If, if the youth is leaning towards technology, then the youth that um, uh, leverages their, their skills in uh, – and actually being able to do or not being afraid to do the labor or something, you know, yeah. um, would, would pay well. But also I think, um, I think also that if there's good enough leadership programs, you can kind of pay your dues early on, get your, your, you can work in the trenches and then you can move out into leader, more leadership roles so that, you know, you see some of these fence guys that are 50 years old and they're just destroyed, you know, or they, or they work till they're 60 and then they can't walk or whatever. So if, I think the trades has got to figure a way that, you know, we don't want to ride a horse till it dies and right. then get on another one. Right. So if we can yeah. find a way to really do well while you're young and, and old timers would tell us that work hard while you're young, while you can, yeah. and, you know, get it over with. So, yeah, um, I like that. Yeah. So that's, we need, we need apprenticeship programs is what we need. Like, I feel like that's a step in that direction. That's a step that plumbing electricals or HVACs already figured out is that, 
you know they they have a paid apprenticeship programs that last x amount of years now you know you know electricity has like journeymen and masters and that sort of thing like they have it very structured you have to have this much time in you have to pass these benchmarks and then you can get more responsibility which equals more pay and that sort of mm-hmm. thing uh, and fencing, we really, it's wide open. Like, it's just like, I, I don't know if you do good, we'll probably promote you and then we'll pay you a little bit more. Yeah. Um, it's nothing really structured as the apprenticeship programs you see in these other trades, which is probably something we need to look into. Yeah, that's true. So, all right. Gonzalo says, thanks for all, for all the info and your videos. Very welcome. Like it says, 15 years of youth sports changed my life and thousands of kids as well. So that's the fun part. And that's what I'm looking forward to with Jackson is I saw this with Macy. So when I was helping with softball, um, just like these kids, like you get to watch them grow up and turn into young adults and uh, and they're thankful for it. You know, it's um, it's it's pretty cool knowing that you can have a part in that. You know, it's we were at a grocery store and. Uh, one of these kids in Jackson's team came up. He's like, hey, coach, hey, coach, hey, coach, how are you? And it's like, oh, okay, these kids are already starting to, like, pick up on that. And it anyway, it's it's neat. It is. Is your team color orange? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We my, sponsor my, the jerseys. My, uh, I have two sponsored teams as well, and it's I love it. It's pretty fun. Yeah, we are the Republic Raptors because ah. this is a boys team, and they're in the dinosaur stage, so – yeah, we are like the Republic it. Raptors. <laughs> That's cool, man. Well, Caleb, thank you so much as always. I appreciate you coming on. I really do. Being so giving of your time. Um, guys, keep an eye out in the coming weeks for the unboxing mm-hmm. of the standing machine as well as uh, the first version. Uh, using the first version of it, uh, we'll probably – so we've got the bulkhead and everything. We probably shoot a video this week of how we're going to go about trying to modify it and go from there. So stay tuned for that in the upcoming weeks. But Caleb, thank you so much, not only for your time, but also uh, for the expert brand staining the live broad or staining sponsoring the live broadcast. Uh, I I really appreciate you for making this possible. Yeah, man, we, we, we are thankful and and grateful and excited. And and I I have to make, uh, you have a pretty big UK audience, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. it, It depends on the day, but typically, yeah. So I, I just I have to make a shameless plug. The guys over okay. at Woodcare UK, you can okay. go to woodcareuk.co.uk. They've they've done uh, a lot of work, and they they really asked if I could uh, say hello to them on the show. Yeah, uh, they're, absolutely. They're carrying our stains and, and some really good wood care products over in the UK. Pure Seal Services, Manchester Deck Company, uh, and Woodcare uh, UK. Woodcare so, uh, UK. If you're in the UK, they 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 are so excited to finally have a good oil based product over there. So well, I maybe think we said hello to them, but let's yeah. scroll back up here because uh, Stevie's here. At least, well, so we know we got at least one guy over over in the area, at least across the pond. There you go. So. Yeah, yeah, perfect. So they've done an incredible amount of work. So excited for those guys and excited to be on the show. Excited to Absolutely. see everything growing and just can't wait to. Uh, see where this all goes i appreciate i appreciate you coming on so next month what we ought to talk about is maybe the uh new and improved version of your citronella oh yeah i think i think that's something i love using it in our yard just for the just keeping the mosquitoes down Uh, like if we're having kids over i'll go spray it in the yard that way we're not worried about bug bites and that sort of thing um that would be i'd like to talk about the new and improved version absolutely let's do it let's do it man 
All right, guys, you heard it here. Next month, we'll be talking, at the end of next month, we'll be talking about, well, um, we'll have to figure out the timing because the last Saturday, it's going to be Memorial Day weekend, right? Is it? Mm, nope, that'd be the first, I don't know. We'll sort it all out. Yeah, the last Saturday will be Memorial Day weekend. So yeah, it's already it's already May, isn't it? Yeah. So maybe the Saturday before that, uh, we'll talk about Citronella, the new and improved Citronella. There you go. All right, man. Y'all have a guys, great week. I appreciate you guys viewing. Uh, yeah. As always, Joe Evers, the fence expert, reminding you that good fences <clears throat> make good neighbors. We'll see you next week. See you.